Welcome back to our study of the Beatitudes. We are looking this time at the sixth Beatitude, and that is found in Matthew 5, verse 8, where Jesus says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now, before you automatically assume that this verse can't be talking about you, you say, I know I'm not pure in heart because I know some of the sinful things I've done, sinful things I've thought, sinful things I've felt. Let's remember that the Beatitudes are all about one kind of person and one kind of blessing described different ways. All right, so remember the first blessing and the last blessing in the group of that we call the Beatitudes is the blessing of um, receiving or inheriting the kingdom of God. And because the first and the last are about receiving the kingdom of God, we know everything in between is also about receiving the kingdom of God. It's sort of like an envelope, right? The, the two outside edges enfold everything together and everything in the middle is a part of this one idea of receiving or inheriting the kingdom of God. And so Jesus in the Beatitudes is talking about the one kind of person who will inherit the kingdom of God. And when you inherit the kingdom of God, you get comforted, you get uh, mercy, you get uh, to be satisfied, you get to see God, as we'll see today. Uh, and the kind of person who receives the kingdom is the kind of person, Jesus says, who's poor in spirit, who mourns, who's meek, who hungers and thirsts for righteousness, who's merciful, and who's pure in heart. So we know that when Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart, he can't be talking about sinless people. He can't be talking about perfect people. He can't be talking about people who are just naturally good and never seem to do anything wrong. He can't be talking about that because the kind of person he's talking about first and foremost is somebody who's recognized that they are poor in spirit. That means that they're spiritually bankrupt. They have nothing spiritually to commend themselves to God or to buy their way, so to speak, into God's favor. They're not spiritually rich. They don't have a bunch of spiritual merit, quote unquote. They are spiritually poor. They've recognized their sinfulness, their brokenness, just like Isaiah did. When he saw the Lord and his holiness in Isaiah chapter 6, he said, woe is me for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips. If you'd asked Isaiah in that moment, Isaiah, are you uh, a man who's pure in heart? He probably would have said no. He was saying his lips weren't even clean, much less was his heart clean. So we're not talking about somebody who's sinlessly perfect. So don't rule yourself out here at the beginning. If you're a Christian, this verse is talking about you because Jesus is here describing the kind of people who inherit the kingdom. And that means believers. That means Christians. And so Christians are people who have recognized their sinfulness before God, recognized their need for God, recognized their spiritual bankruptcy, they are people who have mourned their sin. They're broken over their sin. They are people who have been humbled before God and before others because of the awareness of their sin. There are people who now hunger and thirst for righteousness. They want to do what's right. They want to please God. They want to follow Christ. There are people who have become merciful. Right? We have received mercy, and so we have learned to show mercy, just as mercy has been shown to us by God. And now Jesus says, these people are also pure in heart. Now, 
What does he mean by that? If he doesn't mean sinlessly perfect, what does he mean? Well, there are different explanations that people have offered, um, but perhaps the one that uh, is simplest and maybe even uh, the one that makes the most sense is something that uh, J.C. Ryle said in his comments on this passage. And uh, I love uh, J.C. Ryle. I have a lot of respect for him. He's a, a great Anglican pastor from another uh, generation uh, from many years ago. Um, we named one of our kids after him. And uh, as I was thinking through wrestling with the meaning of this verse, uh, Sarah reminded me, hey, let's see what J.C. Ryle says. And so here's what J.C. Ryle says. J.C. Ryle says Jesus' emphasis here on being pure in heart is about the difference between whether you merely try to appear pure on the outside or whether you really are pure on the inside. Remember, that's something that the Pharisees, and Ryle talks about this as well, something that Jesus dealt with with the Pharisees, that they looked holy on the outside. They looked righteous and religious on the outside. They had all the external trappings of religion and godliness and being good Jews, good law-abiding, Torah-keeping Jews. Uh, but what Jesus said was on the inside, they were actually corrupt and vile. Uh, there, there was sin festering on the inside that was not obvious to people on the outside. And that kind of righteousness that's only external is not acceptable to God. In, in fact, it's uh, a form of hypocrisy. Jesus called out the hypocrisy of the Pharisees who tried to appear righteous on the outside while inside they were actually corrupt and full of sin. So probably, I think, I think Ryle's right here, that probably Jesus' emphasis is not just on purity, but on where that purity is, that we are pure in heart. Now, if we started out poor in spirit, how can we be pure in heart? Well, uh, Jesus maybe doesn't speak to this here. One commentator pointed out, you know, it's not until the apostles that we learn how our hearts are cleansed from sin. But we know that this is why Jesus came. This is what Jesus' life is leading up to. And so I don't think it's too much to include here that our hearts become pure in the first place, not by what we do, but by what Jesus does for us, right? That our hearts are cleansed from sin by the blood of Christ. In fact, Peter says this later in Acts chapter 15 when the church is meeting at the what we call the Jerusalem Council to decide what do we do with all these Gentiles who are believing in Jesus? Do they need to become Jews? And the answer of the council was no, but here's one of the pieces of evidence that was brought in favor of saying the Gentiles don't have to become Jews. They don't have to try to keep the law in order to be recognized as fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Here's what Peter said. He said, God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them, that is to the Gentiles, by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us, and he made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by faith. Right? And it was not, it was not the faith itself that cleansed their hearts. It was the fact that their faith was in Christ, and because their faith was in Christ's in Christ, Christ's blood, Christ's death, his sacrifice cleanses their hearts, cleanses our hearts so that we are now 
uh, clean and, and holy and pure in God's sight by the blood of Christ. But also I think we can say when uh, we are pure in heart, that also leads to us acting a certain kind of way. So if our hearts have been cleansed and made new by faith in Christ, as the, the gospel says they have, if we're Christians, then out of that new heart, out of that clean heart, we live a different life, a pure life. Not a perfect life, not a sinless life still, but a different kind of life. Notice what Paul says to uh, Timothy, the young pastor in 2 Timothy 2.22. He says, So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. So those who have a pure heart, right? what do they do? They pursue righteousness. They pursue faith. They pursue love. They pursue peace. Right? So um, this is a genuine inward purity that is uh, first and foremost from Christ's death, his uh, blood cleansing our hearts. Right? And then out of that newness of heart, that new life, that cleansing of heart, um, we now have a, a clean heart, a pure heart that, per, that pursues righteousness, that pursues godliness, that pursues faithfulness. So not only do we receive a new heart when we are saved, but we also now have a heart that has a new direction. Right, So we have a new pursuit that we are pursuing God and pursuing God's way. Now, there's still more, I'm sure, that could be said about that. I haven't, uh, I haven't even uh, described that fully to my own satisfaction yet, what it means to be pure in heart. I, I think there's still more there, but that's at least a, a start for us, right? And then the blessing that Jesus mentions here is they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now, there's a, a fancy name for this in, in theology. We call it the beatific vision, right? We talked, I think we mentioned that the Beatitudes, the word Beatitude, right, comes from the Latin translation for the word that for us in English is translated blessed, Right? That's, that's what beatitude means. It means blessed. This is the person who is happy, is really too weak, but who's receiving all the, the, the goodness that the Lord has promised, all the, the fullness of, of life and joy and peace and, and blessing. Um, what, is, uh, what is captured by the word uh, shalom in the Old Testament, right? That, that fullness of peace and blessing and goodness, something like that is what that means. And so the beatific vision is the, the blessed vision, the ultimate good vision, which is the sight of God, to see God face to face. This is what the whole Bible is uh, leading up to. Right? We know that Adam and Eve were in the presence of God in the Garden of Eden. And we know that when Moses in Exodus 33 wanted to see God's glory, God told him, I'll let you get a glimpse, but you cannot see my face. 
And we know that when Jesus came and the Son of God took on flesh and was born as a man, He revealed the Father to us so that we might in some sense see Him. Jesus said to His um, disciples in John 14, If you have seen Me, you have seen the Father. And yet there is a sense in which we, we will not, we cannot fully look upon God's face until Jesus returns, our bodies are resurrected, transformed, glorified, so we're made as, as fully and perfectly like Jesus as it's possible to be, and we are utterly free from sin, not only cleansed from sin, but also no more presence of sin in our life. We'll never sin again once Jesus returns and, and makes us fully new. And when that happens, when we enter the new creation, when we dwell in God's presence, the Bible says in Revelation 22:4, they will see His face and His name will be on their foreheads. We will see God face to face. That is the ultimate blessing. And it belongs not to the people the world would expect, but to those who are poor in spirit, who mourn, who are meek, who hunger and thirst for righteousness, who show mercy, who are pure in heart. They will receive the kingdom. They will be comforted. They will inherit the earth. They will be satisfied and they will see God's face. Amen. And Lord, come quickly.